Thank you. All right. How are we doing? We're, we're alive. We're warm. Yes. We're going to have like a heat wave this week. That's a bummer. Uh, well, um, as Alex said, my name is Danny Pierce. Uh, I've actually, my wife and I have been a part of this church for a very long time, um, but we've been gone for a long chunk. Uh, we were sent out of uh, this church back in July of 2011 to Southeast Asia as missionaries, and we're back now on an extended furlough, and so uh, you're, you're kind of stuck with me today. This is great. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I was praying about this, this, uh, this message, and so Clark asked me to preach on uh, uh, today's topic of, of just getting into the Word. And, um, and I was thinking, you know, just, Lord, what, what is it you want to speak to us? Uh, is there anything, anything specific that we need to, we need to really be, be thinking about as we listen to the Word of God today? Um, and he actually he took me back to um, uh, an experience with him about two years ago. Um, I was at a conference for, for Antioch missionaries in Slovenia. How many people have been to Slovenia? All right, we had a few. <laughs> Slovenia, it's actually cool. We're in a hotel overlooking the Adriatic Sea. That's pretty rad. I mean, you're like, where's the Adriatic Sea? Just Google it later. But um, it was really cool. And I, but on this particular day, I was having a bad day, a low day, maybe a low week. I can't remember. Anybody have bad days? Okay. So uh, sometimes... Um, uh, on these days, the, the Lord will bring me back and just remind me of things in the past, of some grace, you know, of mercy in my life that he's shown me. Uh, it increases gratitude. I don't know if you ever do this. It's a good practice, right? Let the Lord determine the events that he reminds you of. Don't determine yourself. That never ends well for me, at least. Um, but in this particular day, he actually he brought me back uh, to a time before I was born uh, and how the Bible became a part of my story. Uh, and so uh, it was really cool. I was just thinking about, he reminded me of my, my parents. Uh, I reminded me, they're still alive. Um, but uh, my parents, and so when they got married, uh, they were not really believers. They would call them, they would have called themselves probably, in, in hindsight, they would say that they were religiously observant people. But in terms of faith, there's no real faith for them. Uh, certainly nothing personal about it. It was just something you did. Um, and so this was before I was born, you know, I'm like, I'm the fourth of six kids in my family. And apparently my parents had a whole life before I showed up. Uh, and so I don't know if you ever think about that. I'm like, what do you do? Um, but anyway, so my, my father was in, uh, served in the Navy for 21 years, most of that on submarines. And so a few years before I was born, wow, it was, that's not cool. Submarines are, anyway, um, I mean, he liked it. Uh, and so my father was on these submarines, and he had two guys on his boat who would uh, share the gospel with him. And um, they're just telling him about Jesus and, 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 you know, trying to talk to him about the fact that God isn't going to just sit there and say, well, you did enough good things, we're good to go, but that he actually reveals himself in Jesus, and he wants us to know him through Jesus and, and, and how Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. You know, they share the gospel, and my father was not at all interested. Um, it's a patriarch of the Pierce family. We are stubborn people. And he was stubborn. Uh, and so these two guys took a, a, a different approach, uh, which I actually find pr- rather impressive. Um, they bought him a Bible and said, read it. Uh, it's side note. It's interesting how rarely we actually use the Bible in sharing the gospel with people. You've noticed that? Uh, and so um, anyway, so they bought him a Bible, and he actually began to read it. And as he read it, 
he realized that he was doing everything wrong. He'd gotten everything backwards, right? And I remember him telling me, you know, he'd get to like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, which if I try to quote it off the top of my head right now, I'll botch it. But, you know, by grace you've been saved, right? Through faith, it's not by works, lest anyone should boast. I skipped a few things in there. Um, and, you know, if you notice in that passage, right, it's God's grace, faith, salvation, works. And if you mess up that order, you mess up everything. And so he realized, I- I've got it all backwards, and so my father came to faith by reading the Bible. And he, you know, he called my mom. I think he was actually out in the ocean somewhere. And next time he got a chance, he called my mom and said, guess what? <laughs> you know? And it took her a little longer, I think. Um, family traditions were harder for her to, to, to break off. Um, but, and so my childhood memories of my parents, a lot of them are of them reading the Bible. The Bible was a part of my story before I showed up on this earth. Um, and, you know, I can still picture going in there and, and seeing my parents. Uh, my dad was often off, well, he was out in the middle of the ocean somewhere or he was off to work already. But my mom reading the Bible every morning on the kitchen table. She had a whole stack of books. She had like four Bibles. And she would just read it. And I'm always like, Ma, just pick one. You know, why do you have all these? And, and, and so, it, it, but these memories are in my head. She's still, when I go visit them, still the same thing. She's still got her stack. She's still got all her Bibles. Um. And the Lord, what he did that day, he was showing me his faithfulness to me. Before I was even born, there was the beginning of a legacy of Bible reading in my family. Now, you still have to grab it as a kid, right? There's a certain, like, an inheritance thing. I don't just get to say, when my parents read the Bible, I'm good. But you understand, it was something that was a part of, of who I am before I showed up. You see, it's the mercy of God. And so I say that this morning um, as I was praying, and this is what I felt like the Lord was saying. There are a lot of people in this room where you might feel like you need a bit of a course correction, right? It, it, you're not thrilled with the trajectory of your life, spiritually speaking, or maybe you didn't get off to a good start. Maybe you don't have parents who read the Bible, and you're like, well, that's not my story. The good news is that it can be your story. I honestly can think of no better way to change the course of your life than to start by reading the Bible, reading it. In, in large chunks, reading over long periods of time, praying through it, singing it, dancing while you read the Bible, if that's your deal. Thank you. Me and you. Uh, <laughs> just picture it for one moment. No, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but you can make this a part of your story. And it doesn't matter. I know it might be, you might say, well, I'm not married. I'm not gonna, I don't have any kids. It's not even on the horizon. Who cares? Right? You have, you have people in your life, you have people in your, your life group, friends, coworkers, people you disciple, you don't know. And if you want to leave a legacy behind, a legacy of Bible reading is a good one. Yes. It is a good one to leave behind. And so I can say with thankfulness that the course of my life was changed a few years before I was born when Don Pierce opened up the Bible in a steel tube underwater somewhere in the middle of some ocean. It changed everything for me. So... That's what we're going to do, right? We want to be a people, as the old, the old uh, Muslim term for Christians is people of the book, and we haven't always earned that title, <laughs> but Antioch can be people of the book, okay? Father, we ask that you would help us to do that. Give us your, another uh, wave and filling of your spirit so that we can read your word, not just for the words on the page, but how you're speaking, how you're revealing yourself how you reveal uh, who we are in light of your mercy and of your grace. Lord, make us people of the book. Amen.
So the goal today is actually pretty simple. The, the theme, as I said, was uh, getting into the Word. Um, really, I just want it, my, my practical goal is, is that people will read their Bibles, <laughs> uh, read them a lot. Uh, and so, and, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but to see our lives change, the lives of our family, friends. Um, but I guess the, the question is, oh, why read the Bible, right? Um, so, and I should say real quick, if you are a how-to person, like, give me five steps to reading the Bible, uh, I don't have five steps. Or five steps, it's like, number one, open up the Bible and read it. Steps two through five, repeat step one, right? Like, just, <laughs> just read it. There are other things you can do. I am more than happy. Uh, we actually used to have a class years ago. Some of you did it uh, on uh, reading the Bible and how to read the Bible. We can maybe put that together if, uh, unless the Lord comes back and, uh, you know, who knows. Um, but really, I just want to look at the, the why. Why read the Bible? And if you were to ask that question to a lot of different people, so why should we read the Bible? You get a lot of different answers, right? To teach us right from wrong, to make, uh, you know, to help us become better people, uh, give me direction for my life, uh, if we're honest, some of us just read the Bible because we're supposed to, right? Um, and some of those reasons are better than others. Uh, but a lot of those reasons really are, they're self-centered, right? I am, you know, I want direction for me. Uh, I want to know right from wrong. And as good as those things are, I think we can aim higher, right? Um, I, the world needs more than just a better Danny Pierce, right? Um, don't say amen, just... You're supposed to internalize that, guys. <laughs> Dennis is all like, mm. <laughs> um, So why read the Bible? I'm going to answer this in classic Danny Pierce fashion. We're going to do a little roundabout way. Can you turn in your Bibles? This is a sermon about reading the Bible, so you've got to have your Bible. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't stick your nose in the book, right? So John 17, 3. Anybody else getting over sicknesses? Anybody? Lord help us, right? Um, John 17, 3. I don't have a life verse. Am I still on? I don't have a life verse. If I did, this would probably be it. Uh, so to give you a little idea of what's going on here, Jesus is about to be uh, arrested and uh, tortured, crucified, buried, risen from the dead. And so John 17 is his final prayer. So if you want to know, hey, what are some of Jesus' priorities before he's about to die, read John 17 and meditate on it, Okay. Uh, maybe today you can begin your legacy of Bible reading, John 17. It's a good place to start. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Fairly simple, right? Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Uh, now if I were to ask you to describe eternal life, I'd be curious, you don't have to raise your hand, how many people here would have said, oh, knowing God? I mean, those of you who are really familiar with this verse, you might have said that. But honestly, a lot of us wouldn't. If you were to describe eternal life, I mean, who would have trouble answering the question? I mean, I've read through the Bible numerous times. I'm like, well, there's a lot of images. I don't really know. I'm pretty sure we don't, like, float on clouds and play harps like the old school middle age images, you know? Uh, but other than, I mean, you got eternity. You might as well take some harp lessons while you're there. But, like, I don't know... It's hard to describe what, what would be eternal life. But Jesus says to know God, to know him, to know Jesus, the one he sent. Now, and I really love this. When I thought about this, I was thinking, you know, we don't, because we don't really know what eternity fully looks like, 
But one thing we can say for certain is that knowing God is one of those things that we can carry over from today throughout eternity. It doesn't stop. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me to start doing it now. Like, this is a long eternal journey. I mean, eternity is a long time, by definition. But we don't have to wait. We can actually start knowing God now. Jesus doesn't say that they would know you sometime. Sometime down the road. We don't know when, but you get to know God. We get to know God now. Now, uh, how many of you guys have done DBS, Discovery Bible Study? Oh, wow. Has that been a thing here? Yes. Yes. Um, Can we thank you for that, Mark? Good job. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. Mark's going to take credit and someone else later. Okay. Um, So, uh, DBS, what's the first question in DBS? What does this passage tell us about God or something to that effect? Is that right? Is that what you learned? If you didn't, you learned the wrong thing. (laughs) Right. See, the single most important question you can ever ask when reading the Bible. There's a lot of other things in the Bible, but man, if you don't start there and end there, I would say, then you're actually going to miss the point. So if you've been doing DBS, you've already been doing the right thing, whether or not you realize it. Um, What better pursuit to give our lives to than to know God? I really can't think of something better than that. Okay, and so uh, why do we read the Bible, right? We read the Bible to know God. Yes, there's other things. Yes, it's good. Uh, God does speak to us, direction, and right from wrong. He convicts us of sin. He encourages us. But the primary purpose is to know God. God reveals himself in a lot of different ways. He reveals himself in creation. Right? The Bible talks about this. You can, uh, you can learn about God by studying everything from the cosmos and how vast it is. Right? To the little leaves on a tree with the photosynthesis and stuff that I never like, paid attention to in class. Anybody else? Um, my notebook is full of everything but science notes. Okay? <laughs> But it does reveal God, right? And so, uh, but you understand the Bible is an act of self-revelation. This is, I think, honestly, um, perhaps the most underrated or overlooked aspect of Christian belief is that God is a self-revealer. He reveals himself to us, right? I mean, I've studied theology for years. You know, went to seminary and got a degree. And I'm sure we talked about it in class. And you have, like, you know, classes on the doctrine of God and things. But I don't think it hit me until later. It's like, what is God doing here? He's revealing himself. He's revealing himself in, 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 in throughout history and these events that they record. And he's, we have this in a book so that we can know him. Now, it's not the only way we can know him. And his greatest act of self-revelation is in Jesus. Right? And where are we going to learn about that? The Bible. This is, this is church. You can just say the Bible. It's the answer. Okay? The Bible. Yes, there we go. I see that hand, brother. Um, right? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He testifies in our hearts that we are children of God. It's an amazing truth. Where do we learn about that? Where did I quote that? It's in the Bible. There you go, right? If you want to know God, you will have to read the Bible. There's just no other way. Every, every, there are, I mean, like I said, pray and he will reveal himself in a powerful way. He will make uh, the words of a page leap off and hit you in the face. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. 
but you got you to get your nose in the book, right? Okay, so that's what we're, actually what we're going to do today. This is going to be a slightly different sermon. Uh, part of it is I'm just going to read some scripture. Is that okay? I love the Bible. I love reading this stuff. It's so fun. Um, and I just picked a couple that I really like. Uh, you might have your own. And actually, I just want to encourage you. This could be a, uh, a great activity with other people. You know, come to life group or come to a prayer meeting with your favorite passage about God. And just start reading it out loud. And you, you, trust me, if, if you're really doing this and saying, Holy Spirit, speak to us, it won't just be a, a nice religious exercise of Bible reading. Right? You will encounter the Lord. Okay, can you turn to Isaiah 40? We're not putting it up on the screen because that's cheating. <laughs> Isaiah 40. Uh, so to give you a little bit of, a, of an idea of context here, uh, this is Isaiah speaking to the people of Israel. After hundreds of years of rebellion, idolatry, of turning their back on God, um, uh, God is going to rescue them from exile. And so he, he speaks to them in, 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 in through Isaiah. And so he says to them, who are we? We're going to start. Let's start in verse 9. We're not going to read every verse. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or the, width, or the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? These are rhetorical questions. The answer is no one. Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. They have to create their own God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? 
He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. We could keep going. There's about a bazillion other passages. What do we learn about God? What do we learn about God? I mean, you think about this passage. He calls out the starry host by name. I mean, the smartest, uh, 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 what do you call them? Astronomers, aeronautical engineers, astrophysicists, whatever they are. The smartest guys in the world. I remember reading one guy, and I think he's, he's at Berkeley. And he's like, we know almost nothing about the cosmos. Some of the smartest people in the world have to admit, we don't really know anything. Right? And yet God is the one who called them out one by one. Right? They're still discovering animals in Indonesia where I've lived for the last seven years. I read about it like every couple months. We have a new species, a frog we didn't know existed. But you know who did? Right? He created all these things, and we're still trying to figure it out. And yet, I love this. Part of the reason why I love this passage, go back to verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This big, powerful, enormous God, infinite in his wisdom, infinite in his strength, and he cares for his people like they're little tiny sheep who need to be carried. This is the God I want to know, right? This is so much better than what we're going to get anywhere else. I want to know this God. I am, more often than not, a helpless sheep. And you are too, right? We are. We need God. And he reveals himself, not just as big and terrifying and awesome, although he is those things. He reveals himself as loving and caring. Can we go to Revelation 4? How am I doing on time? Oh, man. Revelation. Um, Revelation 4. So, again, to give you an idea, the little teacher nerd in me always wants to like to do this. John's writing to a group of oppressed people, right? Oppressed by the most powerful empire in the world. They're wondering, what's happening? What is God doing? And we're just, we're going to skip. Now, Revelation, anybody ever read the book and been confused? I mean, I love the book, and I occasionally get confused. We're not going to go into all the details. Uh, Let's start the latter half of verse 8, just to give you an idea. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever... The 24 elders, whoever they are, fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, in case you didn't get it the first time. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Part of the reason why I love this passage, there's so much that's good in there, and it goes at chapter 5, 4 and 5 go together. Sit down and read them. Uh, This is a little side note. But I just, I love this stuff. So God is he's speaking to a people who, who are, are oppressed and wondering, what is God doing? Are we going to get wiped off the face of the earth? And he does this throughout Scripture. This is a little tip for you, okay? Before he tells his people what he's going to do, he reveals himself. Time and time again. People are in, ex, uh, in uh, slavery in Egypt. He shows up to Moses. I am. We're going to preach on that later. Not tonight. 
Uh, Time and time again, he does it with Isaiah. He does it with Ezekiel. He does it in Jesus. He does it over and over again. Why? We need to know him. Not just what he can do, but we need to know him. You guys tracking with me? Right? He he wants us... uh, um, uh, he wants us to know him. That is his goal. That's, that's the big thing we're aiming for. So uh, for all our, our talk about, um, I mean, I don't think anyone disagree. No one in this room is going to be like, well, I'm all set. I don't need to know any more about God, right? Can, I, can we agree? No one's saying that? I mean, if you are, just keep your hand down. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> confess that one to someone else later. And yet, I don't know about you, but I find it's hard sometimes. We get distracted. Does anyone ever get, anyone ever get distracted reading their Bible? Working on this sermon, right? I'm like, I could work on this sermon, or I could find some old, you know, Saved by the Bell clips on YouTube, right? Like, it's just, you know what I mean? That might not be your thing. But uh, when A.C. Slater won the championship in wrestling, you know what I I, I mean, we get distracted. But that still begs the question, why do we choose distractions? That's a choice. I, and I did not um, fall down the YouTube rabbit hole too often. But uh, too often is pretty vague. Um, and it is hard. Right? The Bible can be hard. We agree sometimes. We're not sure. Although I'm amazed sometimes, well, it's just too hard. You can't. I'm like, we have like literal geniuses in this room right now. I mean, this church, I don't know if we have anybody now. We have had actual rocket scientists in this church. And it's not just like the, 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 you know, the, the thing we always say, oh, yeah, he's like a rocket science. No, we've actually had them. We can read the Bible. We can understand it. You know, for the most part, there's some things maybe. But here's the thing. It's hard, um, I think, in part because sometimes God makes us uncomfortable. We agree? I mean, I, I get uncomfortable occasionally reading the Bible. This week I was reading through Habakkuk, and I'm like cringing. I'm like, oh, this is not, you know, it's not a hard book to understand. It's a hard book to accept, that sort of thing, right? Um, I think one of the hardest things for us is to accept that God defies convention. It is hard sometimes to let God be God. You understand? It is hard to let God be God. It is hard for us to give up the control. Right? It is hard because uh, we're like, I'm not sure this passage of Scripture is socially acceptable. My neighbors won't like it. You ever thought that? I mean, it's true. Your neighbors won't like it. <laughs> and you might not like it. I might not like it. Can I tell you a little something, though? Uh, most of this book, when it was originally written, wasn't really acceptable. Sit down and read the prophets sometimes. They, Jeremiah did not have a fan club. I mean, he was literally thrown in a pit and kidnapped and taken to Egypt. We don't know what happened to him. Right? So it's never really been socially acceptable. Okay? So if we're going to get on board, if we're going to know God, we have to let God determine the terms. And we have to let God be God. we got to let him reveal himself in a way. Not some God of our own creation. Not a domesticated Santa Claus type guy. But let God be God. And I think sometimes we get to Jesus. And, right, and Jesus is, as I said earlier, is the greatest act of self-revelation of God. Right? I mean, he says it himself. He's the word who was God who became flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone wants to go to the Father? It's by me. Right? This is Jesus. Uh, and, again, just to reiterate, where do we learn about Jesus again? Bible, Bible yeah. All right, you're learning. We're getting there. But, you know, Jesus isn't always easy. Right? We're comf- we, 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 uh, we are more comfortable with Jesus in the Gospels. Is that true, generally speaking, than a lot of the Bible? Have you noticed how uncomfortable people were around Jesus? 
I mean, he chased people away. And I, I, it's, it's, you know, I was thinking about this when we were uh, in Southeast Asia and we're, we're pitching a vision to share the gospel with people. They, you know, believers are saying, guys, we have all these unreached peoples in Indonesia. If we're going to see a move of God, you've got to get out and share the gospel. And a lot of times we start with uh, Jesus' words to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Right? You guys know that passage? Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They're fishermen. Right? Drop your nets. Forget the fish. Let's go for people. And I oftentimes would leave out the fact that when some people came to Jesus and said, hey, we want to follow you. And he said, well, here's the deal. Birds have nests. Foxes, they have dens. I have nowhere to lay my head. You want to follow me. You don't know where we're going to sleep tomorrow night. Right? He chased people away who wanted to follow him. He made it harder. Have you tried that one in your evangelism? Yes, I agree. No, you don't. You don't really want this, dude. Right? I mean, do you understand? That's, if you did that, Brie, on the trip, Brie would be like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> I'm so glad you were healed and you want to follow Jesus. Let me tell you why you shouldn't. Right? Now, you might get a higher retention rate. <laughs> People who hang on would stick around. Right? Or, you know, the same Jesus who said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? Come, you who are weary. But he's the same guy who said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I mean, you know what he's calling us to, right? What happened when Jesus picked up his cross? Where'd he go? He died, guys. That's a... I know it's not Easter yet, but you should know the answer. He died. <laughs> Come on. He died. So when he says, hey, you, pick up your cross and follow me, he's not saying, this is going to be easy, guys. Check this out. You want to go for a fun ride? Eh, eh, right? Now, I'm not saying following Jesus isn't fun. I am saying it's hard. I mean, he tells you straight up, this is going to be hard. So we honestly, if, if I'm honest, we're more comfortable like reading the Gospels, and we like to talk about Jesus more than we like to talk about the prophets in the Old Testament because that seems hard and weird. But I think it's honestly it's because we've domesticated Jesus just the same. We've created Jesus in our own image. Right? I can't remember who it was who, who first said, uh, in the beginning, God created man and woman in his image. And ever since then, we have tried to return the favor. Right? Now, all of this actually, it, it, this is kind of like an extended side point. Because my, my big thing is this. When we're reading scripture and we're asking God to reveal himself, we need to be prepared that he has to rewire our brains to understand who he is. Right? The, the image of God that many of us have inherited, whether it's from the broader culture, it could be your church background, could be any number of things, is oftentimes just a creation of God in our own image. It's the way we want him to be. We have to let God be God. And it will be harder, but it will also be far greater and far better than you can ever imagine. It is worth it, guys. It is worth it to wrestle through Scripture to wrestle through Scripture to know God. This is eternal life. It's to know Him. And so when we're learning about Jesus, I keep thinking, let's just let Jesus be who He is, right? Let's just let Him determine. And I, just this morning, I wrote down a few things. Can, we, can I tell you? In Jesus, we have every spiritual blessing. Through Jesus, we have been adopted as children of God. In Jesus, we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Jesus was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father, Far above all rulers, authority, power, and dominion. Jesus is the head over everything. 
Jesus gives us a place in the heavenly realms. Jesus brings us to the Father. Jesus is the peace between divided factions and races. Jesus is our reconciliation with God. He is the cornerstone of the church. I want to know this Jesus. And all of that was from two chapters of Ephesians. That's it. That's it. And all I did was write them down. I haven't even spent time like meditating on them. I literally did it this morning after I woke up. Thank you. Time change. I, and so here's my point, guys. We are not going to run out of things to learn. Right? This is a big book. There's a lot of stuff in here. I mean, time and time again, I've been studying this for years. I, 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 recently, I've been reading through some, uh, some of the stuff. And there's a couple of books in the Bible. I mean, I've translated them from Greek. And I'm reading this. I'm like, when did this get in there? Like, I don't remember this at all, right? And you're just learning new things all the time and asking God, Lord, you, you've got to reveal yourself to me. It is a privilege to know God. It is a privilege to know God. He doesn't just want to be known and just sit back and hope we discover him. He reveals himself. And we get to learn about him and we get to read about him in the Word. And there's no way we're going to do it and do it well unless we spend time in the Word. And it's worth it because we get to experience a bit of eternal life today. Amen? Amen. Ben, if you guys want to come up. I've, um, yeah. I feel like maybe... Um, It's worth, read, uh, worth thinking about in our, in our hearts. What are the, the obstacles? Not just of reading the Bible, but of, of reading the Bible to know God. What are the things? Lord, just reveal these things to us. Break away the little bits and pieces, the, the lies we've been told, the lies we've believed. Break away the distractions, Lord. Break away all the things that hinder us from knowing you. Father, we're saying reveal yourself. Reveal yourself in your, in your fullness. Not just today, Lord. This is just a, a beginning. But that we would go home and day after day, as we spend time in your word, Lord, we would say reveal yourself. We want to know you. We are eager to meet you. We're eager to meet you because you are the, the Holy One of Israel. You are the Sovereign Lord. You are the I Am. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come. You are the only true and living God, and you are our Abba Father. So reveal yourself to us.